Nothing Bove in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 56 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we try and bring you tips and ideas to survive in the changing world we find ourselves in right now, and it's certainly changing. As always, we have a lineup of interesting guests. Today's guest is no exception, but first, I must welcome my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais in Waterloo, Canada. How are you today, Kathleen? Good to see you again. Good to see you, Peter, and thanks for that intro, and uh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We so appreciate you tuning into our show. And uh, do please keep your comments coming. We read every one of them. And if anybody out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to either reach out to either Peter or myself. Um, we would welcome that. And as Peter mentioned, yes, we do indeed have another special guest with us today. His name is Doug Collins. Welcome, Doug. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great. That's good to see you, Doug. So, good Doug, I'm going to throw it over to you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led up to you writing the book, and I want to get this right, right off, The Home-Based Business Guide to Almost Anything. Yeah, right off almost anything. Um, all right, a little bit of background. My name is Doug Collins. I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, I started in the home-based business arena, I guess, back in 1998. Uh, so I've been doing this for uh, quite a long time, part-time on a part-time basis. So I entered the, entered the career workforce in the late 80s, working full-time. In 98, started a part-time home-based business, kind of ran that for a number of years. Um, so in my, I was in the corporate world for 24 years. I only ever worked for two companies. So I, I kind of went up through the ranks in the first company over 16 years. I got recruited by a competitor and moved to New Brunswick and lived there for uh, 13, 14 years. Uh, and in 2010, with the, the downsizing, you know, the economic um, downturn, my job in corporate was eliminated. So I had a national role. Moncton, New Brunswick was our corporate office. And they closed that down and sold off half the businesses in Canada. So my role became redundant. And I took a package and left. My dream over the, up, up until that point was always to be self-employed working from home. Mm -hmm. And I just use that as an opportunity as my launching pad to say, now's the time. So I was a single dad with three kids, you know, that economic concern you had starting from ground zero, how do I feed my kids and stuff. I was given a package, uh, sort of a, you know, a buffer uh, severance package. And I figured, you know, now is the time I, you know, I have, I can pay the bills for a little while. At worst case scenario, if, if I don't make it as an entrepreneur, a full-time entrepreneur, I could always go back to the corporate world. There's always a job there for me somewhere. And I never look back. So it's been a decade. It's been quite a ride. And I've been working from home. I've done a number of different business ventures through those years. Um, and most of them from home, but I did have a mortar business that, that I opened in um, a few years after I became full-time. What, what I found was when... when when I went full-time self-employed, I just became, I seen opportunities everywhere. And I ended up sort of going from one focus to becoming a serial entrepreneur. And I had a number of business ventures going on. And I just, over the three or four year period, it was just like too many hot potatoes. I couldn't focus on any one thing. So I just started, you know, I'm going to close this. I closed that. So the bricks and mortar business was a great learning experience. We ran that for three years. I invested $80,000 to start that business up, never took a cent out of the business. 
and closed it three years later and liquidated everything for $9,000. Oh, so, <laughs> that's, that's the reality of businesses. Yeah, and, sure. And, you know, starting a, a traditional small business, a bricks and mortar, something in a strip mall, those types of things is a lot of these entrepreneurs put everything into it. And, and I was fortunate that I was making money in my business and able to kind of move it around and, mm -hmm. and funnel things away, you know, invest in other things. And I seen opportunities, but that business actually started in our home and it, within months, it outgrew our living room or our kitchen or it was taken over our life. So we ended up making a, a storefront for it. And, but I just found through that um, experience that it was worse than a job. Mm. It was, you know, 12, 18 hour days. Uh, a lot of visibility, um, but I, I just ended up closing it. But the interesting one thing was during those three years, my office was at home. So I was still grounded in a home-based business mm -hmm. and I ran, you know, two other home-based businesses at the same time. So what I found through all that journey was really that my passion was with home-based business. I love it. I, I love the, the ability, anybody, especially today with the internet and Zoom and technology today, anybody can start anything today from home with very little cost. And, you know, and I know you had uh, some other guests on your show talking about network marketing and direct sales. Like those are great avenues for anybody to become a home-based entrepreneur. Um, but the, what got me interested in the tax side of it was I started my, my current business in 2008. So it was a few years before I left corporate and in 2008, I owed $5,000 in income tax. So that was a combination of what I was making in my home-based business and what taxable income I had in my full-time career. And in 2009, when I filed my income tax, I started including more of the home-based write-offs. And I got a $6,600 tax refund. Wow. I went from the previous year of owing five to getting $6,600 back, but I didn't claim all my write-offs because I didn't have proper records and stuff, mm -hmm. but I knew I was onto something. And I had started a home-based business in 98, but nobody actually really coached me and my account book, uh, tax preparers never kind of helped me out. And, but I knew I was onto something. I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure it out. So I just started researching and, you know, like they say, after you invest what, 10,000 hours, you become an expert at it. I That's mean, right. I, I yep. invested a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of years. And, and I just figured it out. And, um, you know, there was one year, I can't remember when it was now, probably five, six, seven years ago, I got audited by the Revenue Canada and they came back and they, they reassessed me for three years Wow! and said, you can't claim all this stuff. We OS, I don't remember the number. I have the story in my book here, but it was like $15,000. And I wrote an objection letter and it got denied. Then, you know, that would took three or four or five months. And then I wrote another objection letter, it got denied. Mm -hmm. Then I contacted a uh, tax professional actually in Toronto who specializes in this type of thing. And he looked at my file. He looked at my information. He said, Doug, like you've already been denied twice. The chances of winning is almost zero. Like Revenue Canada or IRS, if it's in the U.S., they don't overturn a decision after two no's. And I thought, and, but he said, you know what? I don't remember what the amount was. He'd pay me a couple thousand dollar retainer and I'll write another letter and we'll see what happens. And I thought, you know what, I can do this myself. So I sat down and wrote my third objection letter. Like a, over a year had gone by, penalties are bad, bad interest. I figured I'm fighting this thing tooth and nail. And I sent them my third objection letter in a box. I printed wow. it out. It looked like I was ready to go to court. 
Like they knew I was ready to fight. And then I don't know when to four, six months later, months later, I got a letter saying, yeah, you're right. And they canceled everything. Wow. Well done. Well done. Well and it done. was just, so it was just, you know, take responsibility and, and ownership for it. So when it came to the taxes, I was doing this and I was living it in my business. And as I sort of went out into the home business community and started talking to people about tax write-offs, it's like, you don't understand this. And I started to see that they're, they're generally people are where I used to be. Mm -hmm. So I just started, you know, oh, you can do this and let me send you this. And I was just sort of ad hoc and helping people. In late 2018, I thought, you know what, I should take what I know and package it into a course that I could just say, instead of me having all these conversations, I'd just say, here's a course. You can buy the course, go through the, you know, the video modules, take all my spreadsheets and, and then let me know when you're ready and I'll have a conversation with you and I'll coach you through it. So I, I've kind of had that available now for almost, well, almost two years now and got, have great testimonies. All kinds of people save thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes on this. That, and, that's really good. Excellent. Yeah. Jack, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in quickly before we get too far ahead. For some of our listeners and viewers who are in exactly the position you're talking about, explain, tell them quickly the difference between short and give a short definition between the difference between personal and business taxes for someone running a home-based business yeah well if if you're a sole proprietor if you're not an incorporated business you're basically a sole proprietor your business and you are one and the same correct okay so if you work full-time if you have a full-time income and you have a part-time business it could be network marketing it could be consulting it could be something you do you know the term they use now is sort of side hustle um, the income you make in that side business and the income you make as an employee are, are brought together. Absolutely. Yeah. The benefits with the tax write-offs are, is you now get to turn some of your everyday home living expenses into tax write into a tax write-off. Right. And, and that ends up lowering your taxable income. So in the early years, if you're not generating significant income, you can actually use those tax write-offs to lower the, your income which gets you a potential tax refund back from your full-time income. Sure. And that's sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that's a very good explanation. I think people will follow that. Thank you for that. And then something I picked up on your website is, is what's one business deduction that most people overlook, even if they do have a bit of knowledge about business taxes and tax write-offs. You know, there's lots. I think that the, the lack of mileage keeping people mm -hmm. overlook that mileage Again, we're all kind of, this is a, a weird year. We're not all driving in our cars like we used to be traditionally, but mileage is one. Um, you know, things like your Costco membership, you know, it could be a tax write-off. What do you mm -hmm. buy at Costco? Cleaning supplies. You clean your home, you clean your home office. Toiletry supplies, you know, you buy paper at Costco. You might buy pens or notepads. Like the Costco membership itself could be a tax write-off. A lot of people, a lot of us are buying from, from Amazon right now. Maybe you're an Amazon Prime member. Yep. If you're buying things for your office on Amazon Prime, right off your Prime membership. Those, wow. are, those, are, those are things that, you know, maybe some people are overlooking. Me too. I mean, I, I thought I was pretty sharp, but Amazon Prime, I've never even thought of claiming that as a business expense. Yeah. As a tax write-off. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good one. Wow. I know Kathleen's got something she's burning to ask you. Over to you. <laughs> Well, we know that, um, you know, how, well, I'll, I'll just ask you, how important is good record keeping? Because you mentioned mileage. And I think, I think Revenue Canada is, is a stickler for this, because if you're 
claiming mileage, don't they want to see an absolute account of where you started, where you ended up, the, the how many kilometers it was in between? And you have to document, you have to provide actual documentation for all of that. So is how important is good record keeping? It's, it's really important, especially if they come back, like I went through, and they reassess you or they, they send you a letter saying, you know, when we think of an audit, like a lot of people think of this tax thing as this big, scary, this, you know, the, the auditors are going to show up at your house with guns and blades. And, you know, a typical audit these days is just a letter, right? So you've claimed this as mileage or you claim this, like just send us the documentation. I mean, that's typically what it is. They'll read it. In my situation, they just blanketly said, no, you're not getting, you know, do, 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 and they, re they recalculated everything. So they didn't even give me a chance in the beginning. Mm -hmm. but typically, it's, Kathleen, with, with the mileage, it, it can be as simple as, you know, what, like what I teach in my course and I talk about in my book, it, it's, it's as simple as keeping a record on your calendar, whether you use a calendar on your phone or on your computer, an Outlook calendar or whatever program you use. It's, you know, I had a meeting at Starbucks on this day with this person about this subject. And at the end of the year, you know what your beginning mileage is and your end mileage is. What's the dis distance from Starbucks, from your home to Starbucks and back? Could be three, four, five kilometers. So there's five kilometers out of your total on that day and this day. And then it's just having a long 12-month record of here's all my business kilometers mm -hmm. and you know what your total is. And that's, that's just how you calculate it. That, that's the extent of your record keeping. Right. Now, how important is it to keep hard copies of everything or is a digital copy just as just as uh, uh, digital copies just as good okay uh, you know the thing you know like when I when I sent my third objection letter in I was printing off screenshots of Facebook posts time <laughs> and place with copies of plane tickets I was on a plane and I flew here and I was at this conference and here's a picture of me sitting there or speaking on stage like like that's, that's what I did in my, I printed everything off. I actually wow. leveraged Facebook going back years of, of time and place. Hmm. And here's what I did. And I matched it all up and I see, see addendum A. So a lot of that originated as electronic documentation. So as long as it's there and you can access it, then that, that's your record keeping. Okay, good one. I, I just learned that the other day. I was speaking to someone from the corporate world and she was telling me in her big company they don't print out incoming vendors' invoices. They keep them electronically. And I said, I print out all my phone bills and hydro bills and put them in a file for each year. She says, you're crazy. You know, this is the digital age. Yeah. I never realized that the digital stuff was as acceptable. Uh, another thing that you say on your website is you say your tax preparer might give you bad advice. So give us an example of that. Yeah, um, you know, I guess some people would see me as sort of that anti-tax preparer person, but um, you know, I talk about it in my book and I talk about if you're in a home business, how to find a good tax preparer. But I believe with, you know, if you do everything you need to do leading up to tax season with the way TurboTax and you file and mm -hmm. some of these, it's so simple today. I believe anybody can do it. I've, I've taught 21 year olds that started a home-based business how to file their own taxes. Like, I think anybody can do it, but if you want to use a tax preparer, then find the right one. Where they're, they're leading, let's call it us, the home business folks astray is, they're conservative. Um, they may not fully understand home business. They may not fully understand your type of home business. You know, for those that are in you know, direct sales or network marketing, a lot of them, you know, a number of them, 
don't even see that as a legitimate business. Right. Right. So they're like, yeah, that's a hobby. Like, but again, in some cases we treat it like a hobby. So maybe sure. we're not doing the right record keeping and the right activity to say that it is regardless of whether we're making money. Right. So um, it's, it's all these things. So it's, it's finding that tax preparer. If you're, if you're going to outsource that income tax side of it to somebody who understands your business. And when you look at a tax preparer, what do they do? They just take what you give them, punch it into a system and there's your taxes, right? right. Are they consulting with you? Are they saying, Hey, Kathleen, you know, I see some gaps in your, your spreadsheet, like your, your numbers, like, don't you have mileage? Don't you have this? A lot of them don't do that. And what we typically do is as taxpayers is we only deal with them during tax season. That's right. That's their busiest time of year. So if you took a tax, a tax preparer or a CPA, you know, over a three month period, they're dealing with every client. How much time do they have to spend on, on your business? Not sure. a lot. So they're not helping you. Like I have situations where people that I've worked with that, uh, you know, like there's one gal that, I, that in Halifax here, she, she, um, she missed out on a tax credit quite a few years ago that would have given her a $6,000 refund. Oof. Wow. And she learned about, she's a teacher. She learned about it in the lunchroom with other teachers. She's like, what? I never claimed that. She called up her accountant and her accountant said, oh, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. Like, there's no, the accountant's not saying, here's a checklist of what about this? Has this changed? Has this changed? Sure. And since working with her over the last couple of years, I've helped her save another $10,000. Wow. Just so continuing to find more. If, if you did find out, you can't go back and, and yeah, you can. She you actually, can. she actually went back and refiled uh, three previous years. Oh. You can file an amendment. You can actually file an amendment up to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, right? I didn't well, know that's that. good to know. My goodness. But, I mean, the further, the thing is, if the further you go back, the harder it is to have that record keeping. That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, your, your memory is only so good. You didn't keep copies, those types of things. Right. So, you got, if you're going to go do an amendment, you got to make sure you have what you need to, to justify it. Right. So Doug, tell us what might be some of the red flags that, that could get you audited. Some of them, you know, would be mileage. Let's say you had a part-time business, you're working full time and you claimed 80% business mileage. So mm -hmm. they know you didn't, <laughs> you you got in your car, you know, so you got to be very reasonable with uh, your business mileage. And, you know, if you're keeping the right record keeping, you have accurate information. Um, some of the other things would be, you know, let's say you had a little bit of income, but a lot of marketing expense. You know what I mean? Like they might come yep. back and quite like, I, I mean, like tens of thousands of dollars per month, but you're only earning $500 in like, like revenue, not net income. Like those types of things it's, or, or huge meals and entertainment expense when they're looking at the rest of your business saying, not really generating a lot of revenue or just having parties like so those types of things are would be would be what you would probably consider red flags or let's say you're in some sort of business but you're you're traveling all over the place like you're in mexico you're here and you know what i mean they're going to say where when are you doing business there right and you know that was some of the questions that i got when they reassessed me is why are you in toronto why were you in houston why were you here like are you there on vacation or, you know, and I had to show them time and place and the meeting and all that kind of stuff. Right. So in the end they were, you know, after three rounds, it was, I knew I was going to win because I was there for a business purpose. Right. So. Can you tell us about your mobile app calculator? What's that about? 
Yeah, so what I did was, um, so I had the course, and then I thought, you know, I, I want to educate. I want, I, I want to show people the value of a home-based business who maybe aren't. They're working in the corporate, you know, they're, they're like the Dugs of, you know, 10 years ago, working in a corporate world that, you know, why should I do a home-based business? So, you know, I put an app together that just it calculates six key areas of, let's call it your, your living expenses. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you just punch in some numbers and it automatically calculates your potential tax savings. Um, and also was for people in home business to say, what potentially are you missing? And what value is that to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kathleen, you and I could be sitting down and have a coffee and I could bring out the calculator and say, okay, you know, what's your monthly home expenses? What's your mortgage? We figure out a number and we just kind of go down through it. And I'd say, okay, your potential tax savings is $4,000. You're like, I'm not getting that. So that just sort of opens your mind to saying, okay, what, what's there? Right. And so anyways, I had the, the, the app. It was an idea and I figured out the formulas based on my tax returns and how all the numbers kind of worked. And, and then I just outsourced it and had somebody help me create it. And I gave it away. I don't sell it. I don't you can download it for free. And it's just, you know, I want people in the home business community just to use it and experience it. And, you know, it can be a great opportunity for, uh, you know, like a recruiting tool if you're in a direct sales business where you could try to get people to come and be open to your business. How does a person download it? Is it on the Google store as well as Apple? Uh, Apple? No, you can go on my, uh, it's dougcollinsonline.com forward slash free app. Okay. DougCollinsOnline.com forward slash free app. Okay. We will put that on as a caption for people and mention it in the introduction as well. Doug, I'm going to jump in. We've been talking about income tax, but there's a few minefields in HST, and I fell into a huge one. My own fault, but it's, it's interesting. I'm going to tell the story very briefly and get you to comment on it. As you can hear from my accent, I'm not a a born Canadian and I lived and worked in Africa for most of my life. And in South Africa, where I had two incorporated businesses, the threshold for value added tax uh, equivalent to our HST was 100,000 Rand, which in those days was equivalent to US dollar. So I came to Canada and I worked as a consultant for a while and didn't charge HST. And then I started a business from home and thought, well, I can get to $100,000 turnover before I've got to worry about HST. And I ran that for three years. I had a heart attack. And two days after coming out of the hospital, I'm still somewhat shocked from having had a heart attack. I get a call from Canada Revenue. And a very nice lady said, um, I want to talk to you about the, I don't know, six or $7,000 in HST you haven't paid us that you owe us for this year. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, then we're going to talk about last year and the year before. I said, no, no, I've just had a heart attack. Anyway, they were quite good, but they pointed out the error of my ways and said, you know, we know from your personal income tax return that you've earned more than 30000 a year. You owe us some HST. And I had some very nice customers who said, it's an input cost for us. We'll, we'll quite happily pay you. But it could have been really, really serious. So I'd hate other people to fall in that minefield. Do you want to talk a little bit? We have a few minutes left. Tell our our listeners and viewers what they should be wary of for HST, because there's a few other areas where one can get into trouble, correct? Yeah. Again, I mean, you stated it's up to 30,000. You don't have to charge HST. Beyond that, you have to start charging it uh, and then remitting it to the government. Um, You know, the way it's calculated is uh, you charge. So, so, Peter, if, I, if you're my customer and I, I, I invoice you, I charge you HST, 
and Kathleen, you're my supplier and you charge me HST, the net difference between what, what I charged you and what I paid you is what I give to the government. Correct. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, that's what the federal government wants. Yeah. And they want you to send it to them, you know, typically every quarter or however the payment situation is, right? So. Sure, sure. Uh, what about being very careful not to claim HST one pays on personal inputs as a business input? That's another area you've got to be a little careful of, I think, if you're unincorporated as a home-based business, for instance. Um, yeah. So if, if uh, it's the same thing. So if, if I'm unincorporated, I'm a sole proprietor and I'm, I'm doing over 30,000 in sales, I want to be tracking my receipts and the HST. So if I go yes. to Costco to buy cleaning supplies, it's the cost of, it's the cost of the product plus HST. So I want to calculate that as a separate line item. Right. But what, what I, what I'm getting at, uh, and you'll express it better than I can. If at the same time as going to Costco, you buy some candy for your kids and some household items that got nothing to do with your business, you've got to be careful. You don't include that in yes. with, with the cleaning materials. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you want to you want to pull out the business stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. So again, it comes with good record keeping. Very, very important. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How can our um, listeners and viewers contact you if they want to <coughs> learn more? If they want to buy your book, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way you know, they find me online, DougCollinsOnline.com. Okay. Um, you can if you. I have a Facebook group which I'm building a, a home business community. If you go under Facebook and search home business, um, <laughs> home business community, okay. the home business community, just so I can hear. Um, and you can find, you can find me there. I spend probably most of my time in my group, probably most active on, yeah, home business owners community owners on Facebook. Community. Okay. And you know, you can find me online on uh, dougcollinsonline.com. And yeah, so the book's only been out since August. This was actually a, my pandemic project when we all went on lockdown there back in late right. March, early April. Right. I just started writing. I just figured it, maybe it's time to write a book. And I, that's how I occupied my time. And I came out of the pandemic with a book. And I like to tell people that COVID made me do it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, and you can find it on Amazon. You can get it if you have an Amazon Prime membership. Great. You can buy it right off my website. Great. That, thanks for that, Doug. That was really interesting. Um, any, any last words of advice? We've got a minute left we, if, for our viewers and listeners. Especially, no, let, let me preface that, especially <laughs> those who are facing a major transition in their life because they've been, their job is no longer because of COVID or they're working from home with a limited horizon to keep on working. Lots of people very worried about their future right at the moment. So what's your advice for them? Yeah, well, my, my advice, I guess, if, if, if you're working now, whether you're home or not, you should consider a home-based business for the tax write-offs. You're, you're overpaying on taxes straight up. That's a given. And who knows? Maybe you'll make some money in your home-based business. Maybe it could be a career shift when you run into a situation like I ran into where your yeah. job becomes redundant, right? So be open, whatever type of business it is, and find something that you can be passionate about. For those that are working from home because of the pandemic, you are limited with your tax write-offs yep. and you know, and the government's now looking at the revenue Canada is now looking at how do we make an exception for those people, but you'll never have the benefits we have. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. You're still Correct. limited. So 
if you're home now working and you're doing it as a job, you should still look at a home-based business. You're home anyways. Find Absolutely. side hustle and, and right. capitalize on those tax write-offs. And for those that are in a home-based business, all they really got to say is you don't know what you don't know. And there's, there's, there's write-offs out there. I can get on a Zoom with anybody in a home-based business. I'm sure I could save them $1,000, $2,000 on their taxes. There's yeah. always an opportunity to improve. Excellent. Well, look at, look at my case. I thought I was really smart doing my taxes for 20 years and I'd missed the Amazon Prime membership I mean, straight <laughs> away. What else have I missed? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and everybody's business is different too. So, sure. you know, sure. and that's why, you know, you could be a contractor, you could be in network marketing, you could be a travel agent, you could be all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And it's really just understanding what's your business, what do you do and, and, and analyze where are your potential areas that you're missing. And, you know, unfortunately, tax preparers, they don't go into that level of debt at tax season. They, they just take they what don't. you give them and they punch it in and they say you owe or you don't. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Doug. I'm going to, we're running out of time. I'm going to hand back to Kathleen to finish off in the wonderful style she always does it in. Over oh, to you. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. And thank you, uh, Doug. That was so informative. I'm sure our audience will uh, gain a lot from, from this. So thank okay. you for joining us. And thank, thank you for having me. Thanks to all of you for joining us as well. We so appreciate you tuning into our show. And as always, please keep your comments coming. We read all of them and we appreciate it. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, uh, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.